This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. to connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape. I'm here from Community Waikato. And have with me on the phone today, Joe Wrigley, um, the, the great Joe Wrigley from Go Eco. <laughs> How are you, Joe? Yeah, Holly. Well, I'm, I'm feeling great. But I'm not surprised. Look, you know, you guys are always doing amazing things at Go Eco, uh, changing our world, which is fabulous, and bringing us all along on the journey. And today we're talking about one of your newest initiatives and collaborations. Um, the fact it's a collaboration is also very exciting. So wanted to talk to you today about your Climate Response Programme. So the Climate Response Programme is an awesome new collaboration and I just have to give a shout out, as you do, to yes. our funders, which is uh, Waikato Regional Council and their Environmental Initiatives Fund, uh, Waikato District Council, Hamilton City Council and the Mighty Trust Waikato who are supporting this collaboration which is, yes, Go Eco, um, but also um, ECOS which is an environmental uh, consultancy um, and Parakori. Oh, cool. Um, So we are all working together to bring... um, this education workshop and facilitation to community, small and medium community organisations or for-purpose organisations. Can can you tell me how this even came about, this this whole idea? Ah, So Rachel Goddard, who is the climate climate manager for Waikato District Council, Mm-hmm. Um, before Rachel started with that awesome new position that every council should have, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I was looking at developing or updating how we look at sustainable business advice um, and, and how we make climate advice accessible for community organisations, understanding ah. that community organisations, you know, are working with limited incomes, often income is... is directly related to uh, philanthropic and, and, and grants mm. and, and, you know, etching out a climate response as part of your operational work um, can be somewhat overwhelming often in an organisation that has huge demands on its time and mm. not enough resource to deliver on those. Mm. Yeah, no, look, that, that makes sense. Um, although I suppose um, as we continue our conversation, we will discover that at times... Um, well, many times, uh, climate response can actually save you money as well. That's right. And we have so many learnings from the pandemic mm. Mm. as organisations about how we do things differently. Yeah. We've got a greater understanding um, as organisations that um, there's more to sustainability and, and climate adaptation than recycling. Yes. Um, and... <laughs> and, and um, and for all of us as organisations, the well-being of our teams is central to everything we oh, do. Yes. The well-being of our teams and the well-being of the community around us. So, so how do we create these bespoke um, programs or plans 
Mm. And facilitate those conversations for organisations in a way that that meets their values. Yeah, yeah. Now that that makes um, a lot of sense. Overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you've come together as a, a collective of, of three quite different um, organisations, but I can see that you all will bring something quite unique and important to the table of this collaboration. Can, can you tell me a little bit about what the actual program looks like then? So, so we've just completed um, the first phase of training advisors, and we've trained ten advisors who will work across the Waikato. Where did these advisors come from? So, we have um, some advisors who are employed by Parakuri, mm. uh, Go Eco, um, uh, the Buying It All Environment Centre, cool. um, Extreme Zero Waste. So people already connected with, um, I suppose, that the movement around um, being aware of our carbon footprint and, and, um, and I suppose, really closely aligned with the values? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the, the basket and eco-pippa. Oh, cool. Eco-pippa in there too. Um, and so, um, so we've got a, a nice spread across the Waikato from Thames to, to Whaingaroa. Nice. Um, it's a pilot. Yes, <laughs> um, and we are—it's getting that understanding and mm. um, of what climate action is and what climate changes and what resilience looks like. Yeah, but also some education. So we're not—we're not moving away from what climate action is, and, and actually, what climate action is is decolonisation. Okay, okay. You're gonna, I'm going to get you to explain that as well. <laughs> so, 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 so coming from a perspective that we need to change systems and processes, we yes. need to change systems especially in order to, to have climate adaptation. Mm. So, so understanding that not all of the things will be in the control of the organisation Mm. But there is a, a broad learning that can happen within an organisation to better understand how we adapt and what needs to happen in the community around us mm. and what our learnings need to be. So while part of this is measuring your emissions yep. um, and emissions calculators and those things and what can we measure, what what's qualitative and what's quantitative, and mm. in our program, we uh, work with the organisations to have two quantitative and one qualitative outcome. Oh, yeah. These, these outcomes are reported to the funders yep. to help design what community support for, for climate adaptation um, and funding for that will look like in the future. Mm. The other part of this model and part of what we're doing is is we've created all of this content and we're training facilitators to work with organisations without being a huge drain on their time. Yeah. So it's, yeah. a, it's a series of small commitments over a short period of time because we have to remember that this is a pilot and yeah. this pilot outcome will help inform how communities are supported in the future yeah. as organisations. So in the charitable sector or the community sector, um, as organisations, what what are the things that our funders can do to make sure that we're resilient organisations that are adapting for climate? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, look, that makes a lot of sense. So, so you've 
you've got already, I suppose, a great pool of um, advisors who, who have mm-hmm. already got a lot of knowledge, um, a lot of relationships, a lot of history in this space. Um, so you've, but you've, I suppose, brought them up to speed with where you're at with this program. How did you go about identifying some organisations that were going to be um, involved in the pilot? So we have a criteria, yeah. um, and uh, that criteria is that you employ 29 or less oh, yep. people, yep. Yep. Um, and that your annual turnover is less than $2 million. Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. anyone from, like, if, if there's two of you, up to 29 of you, then we have an advisor who can work with you. Um, so are you still have, looking for organisations to be involved? Yes, so we oh. need another twelve, I think. Awesome. I feel like we're. Or, I feel like as we're speaking, you can just start jotting down community work at all as uh, <laughs> another one of your organisations <laughs> would be very cool. We um, would love that. Fantastic. But so this is a great opportunity actually for um, community organisations because it can be quite hard to know where to start, eh? Um, as as an organisation um, who's values driven, you know we are in, in the not for profit sector, very dr- values driven. Um, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, recognise the the need to um, to reflect on our environmental footprint. But it can yeah. be overwhelming to know really where to start, eh? Yeah, and I think there's questions we can ask ourselves. One of my favourites is every day when I walk past the photocopier, I like, you know, mark yeah. on my calendar that it's another day that I've not used it. Ah, cool. Um, and start to go, what do we use this for? Yeah, yeah. Like, why is this here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, do we really need this? Um, and have we measured the impact of this on our organisation? Like, mm. often organisations will rent those. Yeah. Um, and people print things out because they can. Yes, yeah. Um, and there are so many um, tech solutions to that now. But even predominantly we scan things now, and our phones yeah. can scan things. Yeah. It's like, so, so how big a piece of equipment do we need to do the thing? And starting to work through what our easy wins are in the organisation. Mm. Yeah, taking you know? the low-hanging fruit, eh? There's, there's yeah. so much value in doing that, even just to help motivate you to get started, eh? The other thing and my favourite thing is, like, what's in the... As an organisation, what are the things that an employer can do yep. to facilitate change? Yeah. Without, so, yeah. so what does this look like in employment? What does it look like in hours of work? Why is it that this team of people have to be here at eight thirty in the morning and not one minute later? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, like, what's the benefit of that? Yeah. Ex- exactly. Because um, there's a whole lot of negatives to it as well, aren't there? Yeah. Hey. Um. So, how does the advisor work with the organisation then? What does that relationship look like? So uh, what it looks like is that um, we we match up or an, an advisor will nominate an organisation or we'll match up with the application. Yeah. Um, and then we have a couple of one-hour sessions online that, yep. are, you know, all the organisations that are involved um, to um, provide some sort of warm-up material and some uh, information requests. 
Yep. We will ask for it. And not all, we realise that not all organisations have these things, but if possible, you know, any existing um, policy that's relevant mm. or, you know, treaty statements or value statements, like what are the things that inform your work mm. that are your value, you know, do you have a value statement as an as an organisation? Yeah. So we ask for that. So then the advisor will then start working out what the workshop looks like. Yeah. Um, and then we have a two to three hour workshop, and that is with the three or four people in your organisation generally who will be leading that, or all of the people if you want to facilitate that. Yeah. And um and we start uh workshopping um, some questions, some information, the information based on what's been sent in advance, and then some training around some tools for collecting the data. Cool. How to read it. Um, And um, then we provide um, some ongoing coaching to collect and collate and plan and templates, and then we facilitate... um, uh, the core people who are drawing up the organisational plan. Wow, so it's quite so, it's quite involved, isn't it? There's there's a lot of components, um, and I can I it, it, you can see that there's a logic behind today eh, with first of all gathering that information and understanding the organisation by by yeah. pulling together all that that data and um, all of the policies and stuff currently in place. Mm. But then I suppose those first hour long conversations are really about. Um, pulling that out a little bit more in depth and and yeah. discovering where people are positioning themselves. Are, are there some more goals from those one-hour conversations? It's, uh, those one-hour conversations are about getting people to think about what their low-hanging fruit is. Nice, yeah. And what their, their end picture, but also understanding and framing that as organisation when we've done some practice runs of that, what we've of this, what we've discovered is it's very easy in an organisational setting for people to revert to what individuals would do. Ah, yeah. But this is an an, an organisational plan, not an individual plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um, a really good point. Um, I yeah. I could see how that that could happen. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I'm going to ride my bike. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I completely endorse that. But as an organisation, what yeah. does that mean? That's right. Um, and those those really good um, organisational well-being conversations, like as an employer, what are my responsibilities to make this happen? Yeah. So yeah. getting that internal commitment, not only from the, the team, but, but whoever holds power in the organisation, that we're making a commitment to travel in this direction. Yeah. We're going to change our operations this way, or we're going to... It might be that we're just going to create a policy... That outlines how we'll operate in the future. Yeah, this, this will be different for every organisation, which is why we're calling it a bespoke program. And yeah. while we're working, we're not bringing organisations into big groups to nut it out together. Mm. We're doing organisation by organisation because we understand that in the community sector, every organisation has its own nuance, mm. its own operations. You know its own way of operating and its own culture. Absolutely. Although in saying that too, there's often, um, there'll be some, some similarities, won't there? Some some sort of key things that, that 
all organisations could be considering. And the thing I'm thinking of is around the printing, for example. So many of us do yeah. seem to have that piece of equipment. Um, and, yeah, I keep going back to that hub concept too at some point, you know, like yeah. why, have we, why have we all like? got one printer? Yeah. Know? But what if we all banded together because we we uh, print a glossy annual report once yes. a year um, and um, had a buyer's collective with a local printer that delivered on that? Product. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. like, those, there's ways that we can collaborate, which brings me on to the collective collaboration hui, sure. uh, which is coming up in October and will be advertised later this month. Nice. Um, and that is uh, uh, sponsored by Trust Waikato. Yeah. And it will be at the atrium. Beautiful. And um, we're facilitating uh, a, an all-day workshop for community organisations and for purpose um, around specifically around exploring um, collaborative transport options. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it's, it's, lower emission. it's it's yeah. cool you raise that. Um, you know, Trust Waikato also supported a number of organisations to undertake an exercise last year that, that calculated essentially, oh, a couple of years ago now, isn't it? It was just around 2022 to calculate our carbon footprint. And yes, I think that's yeah. right. And and I think most of us, um, it was very evident <laughs> that our car use was yes. the significant part of our footprint. So it's interesting. You and I'm assuming did, did this concept that you're talking about now come from some of those findings, or was this just something that had been sitting with you guys anyway that you recognise as an issue? Uh, so it was a, a beautiful. Um, Collision of ideas, I think. <laughs> Collision um, of ideas, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because we, as GoEco, we've been undertaking a pilot and we're publishing those results at the community Waikato Hui. Yes. Um, um, on our internal transport based on the Toy 2 emissions work. Yes. So that was, um, so we've had a pilot where we provide staff members with B-cards, um, but we also have a daily travel log for everyone in the organisation to to uh, record the distance that they travelled, how they travelled and why they made that decision to travel with that mode that day. Okay. The driving factor, so we've yes. done that um, over a couple of months and we're collating the data from that at the moment. So, so we were looking at what the employer responsibilities were. So as a climate action employer, um, if we frame ourselves as the climate action employer, what are the things that we need to do contractually to make that happen? Yeah. Um, and what does behaviour change look like in that kind of setting? Yeah. And at the same time, Trust Waikato, of course, we're doing the Toy 2, providing the data for organisations, um, the gentle encouragement for people to have some kind of plan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And it, look, it, it yeah. makes sense. Um, and I think it's really important, this leadership that's going on at the moment, that it's really cool to see, you know, um, Trust Waikato have certainly taken a big interest in it. But I love the concept yeah. that you're working through a collaboration, which is also being supported by massive local territorial authorities like the regional council. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that's actually really heartening. Um and and I think you know so it helps with credibility. 
is I think historically it's been quite difficult sometimes getting momentum on some of these things that are so important because the climate change stuff has just been dismissed in many ways, even regardless of how how frighteningly um, how frightening the outcomes of it are. You know. Yes. It's around us every day, and, yes. and you know we know in communities people are like, "Oh my gosh, it's unseasonably hot." Yes, and yes. It's like, well, yes, it is. Um, and and uh, people who grow their own food are talking about the shift in seasons. Yes, people notice that something's flowering early or later or longer. And um, I have chili plants in my garden that that. Uh, exist from last year. They've just become permanent fixtures. Yeah, yeah. Um, they haven't frosted and gone black, which is what used to happen to them. Yes. Yeah, it w- this is interesting because we shouldn't even be able to observe this in a lifetime. I mean, that, yeah. that, is, that says something to us about the um, the speed of this change, doesn't it? It is, and, and it is. It's a very fast change. We notice it around us, and but we just don't call it climate change. Yeah. We call it unseasonable. We call it yeah, yeah once in 100. These euphemisms. Like, well, we've now had this many one in 100 events within the last three months. So yeah. what does that mean, you know? Um, so, so it's an interesting conversation, but I think one of the drivers is definitely... Um, the requirement on authorities to be measuring their climate emissions yeah. and that links to the Waikato Wellbeing Project here. Mm-hmm. So the stock takes that are going on measuring what our emissions are are hugely significant yeah. in the Waikato. Yeah. And while um, we can deflect um, every single community in the Waikato, be it rural, be it urban, um, has a significant population who are looking for solutions and trying to measure what change will look like. Mm. One of the themes that's coming through, and it came through at the recent uh, uh, Waikato Plan Climate Symposium, was that people need to get used to the idea that we have to slow things down. Mm. We've been speeding up and speeding up as organisations. We will know this. Everything's been getting faster and faster, but it actually can't continue on that momentum anymore. Mm. So what are the things that we can change? And if we slow things down, it actually has a significant improvement on our well-being. Yeah, yeah. Do you find, like, sometimes when we think about... um, climate change um, and, and everything that goes with it, uh, it can feel so overwhelming, you know, that you wonder what contribution do some of these smaller steps make towards um, making a positive contribution? They, they make an amazing contribution because they're, they're a small measure of hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that small action is, it's a step towards climate hope. Yeah. And... Um, I recently I heard this expression that came from a colleague in, um, at Kaipataki Trust, actually, Janet Cole. And, um, and what she said was, that is awesome radical optimism. Mm. And I thought, I kind of like that. Yeah. We have to be. Yeah, it is in amongst all of the dread and amongst all of the um, the world is ending um, uh, rhetoric and narrative around this. You know, an impending catastrophe we know is happening. 
it is radical to be optimistic. Yeah. But it's the things, it's the place and space and, and, and way that we will find our solutions, our hope mm. and our purpose. I mean, and, and I have to agree, I, I think, you know, we've seen slow cultural shifts over the years about what's acceptable and what's not. Like even the CFC debate, you know, where, yeah. you know, pe- people become have become more and more aware of some of those small things. And, and then over time, that does create a cultural shift. It you know. does. So, One of the things mm, that we've got to be more aware of, I think, is that incrementalism will kill us. Yeah. You know, and that applies to social justice and implies to environmental justice, applies to human justice, yes. you know. Um, we, we're, we're beyond incrementalism in a lot of ways. There are some very big, powerful things that can happen. Mm. But as community organisations, we don't often have the power for that systemic shift. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Absolutely. we can do together. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, and, and it's great to see this sort of leadership happening in the not-for-profit space. I think it is really exciting. <laughs> we've only we've only got a couple more minutes, so I just want to make sure if there's someone listening from a community organisation, um, you know, and they want to get their their entity involved, um, who do they contact? How do they contact them? And, and who should they speak to in their teams to um, to make sure that they're able to to come on board with this? So. Uh First up, you can find more information about the program and how to register on the GoEco website. So, goeco.org.nz. Nice and nice and simple. Yep. Um, so that's probably the easiest way. Otherwise, uh, the person coordinating the project for us is Katie Hine, and um, uh, you can contact Katie probably through the same mechanism. Um, that would be easier, or her Gmail account, which is khhine at gmail.com. So, like I said, it's probably easier just to go through the GoEco site. Yeah, yeah, nice and easy. Yeah. Um, cool. And so who from an organisation needs to needs to lead this or connect with you? Uh, so, look, uh, that might be your operations manager. Cool. Anybody in the team, like we just need the organisation to be willing. There are a couple of commitments and that commitment is that you stay in the pilot, that you commit to um, to developing a plan and that you attend one of the online workshops. And how long is the pilot um, expected to run? Oh, the pilot will be um, reported on in June next year, so it really is... Um, you know, your organisation might want to do this over a three-month period or you might want yep. to do it over a five-month period, but it's up to the organisation. That's that's fantastic. Um, okay, so, so I, I mean, I'm certainly keen and um, I'm, I think, yeah, Community Waikato absolutely will be there, but I'll jump on the website later, Joe, and I'll sort that out. <laughs> but it is a fantastic programme and it's, it's such a cool idea. I love the concept of bringing on board those advisors. So you've got... Um, someone that your team can connect with and, and get some advice from and direction and guidance and hopefully challenge, a bit of stretch from them? Yeah, absolutely. A bit of bespoke support is what we're calling it. Bespoke um, support, and, love it. Yeah, and, and those workshops are all important because that's where we'll ask your organisation the questions. Um, but really we're there to facilitate. Yeah. You have the answers as an organisation. We're just there to guide you through the process and make sure you have the resources 
develop your plan. Perfect. Thank you so much, Joe. Really appreciate that. And if you are interested, jump online, goeco.org.nz, and do check that out. That, that is us for another week. You've been listening to Connect with Community Waikato, Free FM 89.0. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.